0: And a warm welcome once again into the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bretos. We hit episode 180. As always, a gentle reminder to rate, review, download, subscribe, tell a friend of our lovely little podcast here being heard all over the world where we're bringing you the analysis, the news, the opinion, the laughter, maybe some erroneous sounds, you name it. We are here in the United States, but we encourage you to listen all over the world. And we have tabulated the listens, the downloads, and it's good to good everyone, I wish I could speak all the languages, to say hello. Great show here tonight as we're wrapping up 2023. We are going to bring in a regular contributor here to the Soccer OG, Doug McIntyre of Fox Sports, to put a bow on 2023 in MLS. We just had MLS Cup and also the U.S. men's national team because 2023 was great. 2024 is going to be even better for both of those. Ahead on Check Complete, we are going to tell you about the best American club story right now and it's not who you think it is. We're not going to no spoilers. You're going to have to tune in for that one. That is at the end of the show on Check Complete. We are ready to go. We're excited about it. We've got January energy right now here in the month of December. Happy holidays. Time now for the rundown. We will get into all of the Champions League as we're down to the round of 16. The draw will be on Monday. So we'll, uh, we'll revisit the matchups. There's a nice American feel to it. We'll talk about the American uh, participation. Could have been more. Could have been worse. Could have been worse. And we'll get to a little bit of that on Check Complete as well. Did want to talk about my experience in Columbus for MLS Cup. We'll talk about that with Doug McIntyre. In the business end, uh, we were both there. An incredible MLS Cup, which is always improving. This was, to me, the best one for everything that uh, it had included. That everything included. And for an LAFC guy to say it was better than last year, even though the game was better last year, this was a very special event. I think the league should be very proud and uh, encouraged about the platform that it sets for next year. It was a, a feast for the eyes with the supporters. Traveling support is one of the last things to kick in for Major League Soccer. I would call Open Cup games and Open Cup finals. And I think there was one at, at Old Giant Stadium <laughs> back in the uh, late 90s even, I called it. And it was the Metro Stars and the Chicago Fire. And there was literally five traveling supporters for Chicago. And I was excited. to go, there they are. And now you still get some. And you get some bigger turnouts. But, you know, you're getting them into the thousands. You know, a thousand of people is a lot when you think of a 20,000-seat stadium. You know, 500 is a lot. Uh, you know, this was MLS Cup, so obviously it'd be smaller for the regular season. It's fun. So if you are a fan and you get a chance to go on the road, seize that opportunity. There's so many great things to see on the road in Major League Soccer. Not just the stadiums, but these cities. I have had such a great time as I've, Completed my first year with Apple TV, and that was, uh, you know, 50-plus 50, 50 games for me all over the country, mostly on the West. Had great times in Seattle and Austin, Portland, Salt Lake. Salt Lake, you know, I'm looking forward to a, a, a chance to go there on March, hit Park City again. I went there last year, and there was a huge snowstorm, so I couldn't really have a full day skiing. Uh, I went to San Jose, I drove to Yosemite. This is a great adventure. So you can do all this and watch some football and hang out with your buddies. So uh, do it. So MLS Cup was great. We'll talk more about that with Doug McIntyre. I just also want to say here, uh, as Giorgio Chiellini retired, and what an incredible um, uh, variety of just uh, fantastic tributes to him. From Juventus, I don't know if you saw him where they're raising the jersey out of the stadium, assisted by these giant drones. And then here at LAFC, I got to to know Giorgio over the last two years. He is just—he's a gift. I don't know how else you could describe what he brings to how he changes everyone's life with his his joy and his his just his persona. So uh, I'm really blessed to do that. I have it in my phone. So I can ch- chat with them. I'll have a trip to Italy later uh, in a couple weeks. I'm going December 26th. Going to be hitting Rome and Tuscany. Not seeing any football because I, I started on the wrong way. I was trying to make it cost effective. So I started in the south in Rome, central Italy. I would have started north. Maybe there's a big Juventus game on December 26th. But I'm going to miss it. And that's okay. This is family time, really. Uh, and I don't know if I told you about it. None of my family really likes sports except for me. Not my dad. Not my son. My wife, she likes going to the games, but that's, I, I am the outlier. you know. I'm not going to see sporting events with my dad. I always get envious when I see people doing that. Um, my dad always would get Florida State where I went to in Florida confused. He was trying, and he once got me a license plate with the University of Florida on it, and I had to drive around for a year with that license plate. He met, His intentions were great, but that was a very difficult year. It's tough being me. So, uh, Giorgio, thank you for everything. I actually t- reached out to him. And he gave me some advice about my trip. That's just the kind of guy he is. So, uh, I think he's going to be sticking around the U.S. a little bit. And hopefully we can do some things with LAFC, Major League Soccer. The guy loves Major League Soccer. Like, I, when the All-Star game came around he rattled off all the all-stars he goes this guy should have made it this guy shouldn't have made it uh Tim Parker I don't know if I would have picked him John Tolkien he's a good I was like what the heck how do you know all of this big stars supposed to come here and not know anything back in the day Real Madrid came and they played the LA Galaxy it was a big deal this was right before Beckham arrived Fabio Capello was the head coach of Real Madrid and he had a press conference and I went to, I asked him, who, who, <laughs> who impresses you on this LA Galaxy team? And then he's like, ah, the number 10, which landed on it, And the number and then he thinks about it, goes, I don't know. I don't, I, I've not seen any of it. I, 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 this is a trip schedule. I didn't really look, right. I, we're here to play a game. He didn't know anything. It was just a funny story. I just burst out laughing. I burst out laughing thinking about it. What an incredible day that was. So uh, that is uh, Giorgio Chiellini changing how uh, big stars, big European players or South America players approach their time in Major League Soccer. Grazie, Giorgio. Champions League round of 16. It wasn't really a pulsating, although the end was good in that, what was it, Group F? which turned out to be one of the, we, we, we talked about it. it, it went down to the wire. It turned out to be one of the best groups in Champions League's history uh, where Dortmund won it, PSG went second, Milan went third, thanks to a Christian Pulisic goal, which uh, Sammy Chukwueze scored the game winner, which means Milan finishes third, and Newcastle is out. Tough one from the Premier League. There's no doubt the Premier League's the best league. This is not a discussion about that. The Premier League is miles ahead of everyone. We talked about it last week. When you watch the Premier League, every game really matters. You can't say that about La Liga. You can't say that about City. City, man, it's been it's been tough to watch these games, or the, the Bundesliga, or Liga. So this is not a, a shot at the, the Premier League. Is its own worst enemy in the Champions League because if you see it. Uh, you're not going to get the big four like you used to, right? Where it'd be Manchester United, Man City, Chelsea, and Liverpool. Maybe now you have Arsenal. You might you get Newcastle United. You might get Aston Villa next year. I think it's a really good bet you're going to get Aston Villa. Uh, so the competition at the top, it's getting crowded. And we've seen it here. Newcastle and Manchester United, not only out of the round of 16, but out of Europe completely. Arsenal and Man City, they're down to two teams. La Liga has four teams. They started with five. They have four teams, Barca, Real Madrid, Real Sociedad, Atletico Madrid, all won their group, which means they have a very good chance to all four making it to the quarterfinals. Winning a group, the numbers go way up to make it through. So great tournament for the Spanish clubs. I get the feeling we might have a Spanish team there at the end just because of the sheer numbers. Manchester City and Arsenal for the Premier League teams both have a great shot at winning it. So I would, uh, even though they're down to those two, I think they'll make uh, deep runs. They both won their group as well. Uh, Man City was perfect. Six wins out of six. They were, along with Real Madrid, the only teams to do that. Bayern, five wins and a draw. And, you know, this is the last year we're going to have this these groups, and it's going to change with the expansion of the Champions League. And as I said, everyone, and people that get upset about growth in MLS Cup playoffs, you know, people are in uproar about it. I mean, growth is happening everywhere, or they're upset about the World Cup. You can't stop progress. It's going to keep going. Everyone wants to get a bigger piece of the pie, UEFA included, with their Champions League. I don't know how that's going to look, but there's not many teams that can win it. But the the knockouts will be good. Uh you have you look for the the good second place teams and there are some good ones Porto could could win a game PSG without question I thought PSG were awesome against Dortmund they could have scored 4 goals Mbappe should have had 2 goals and 2 assists he was fantastic uh by the way nice run for this it's the Italian teams as Napoli made it Inter made it Lazio made it as well and then Milan made the the Europa, which is good for our Americans there, Yunus Musa and Christian Pulisic, they'll get more European games, much better than finishing last, and they earned it, they had to battle back at the end uh, to make it through, so the group will be Monday, uh, I don't know who's going to win it, I, I, I my, you always go with the safety of Manchester City, it's a safe bet, so we'll stick with that, <laughs> but uh, it, it, I doubt we'll have these two powerhouse finalists, you know, Real Madrid, we, we say this about the leagues you know the Premier League is wide open but it's happening in every major league and I think the cream will rise but Bayern Munich is looking a bit flawed they're four points back of Leverkusen in the Bundesliga Stuttgart is in third Stuttgart a point behind Bayern so everything's tightening up at these leagues in La Liga we all saw it Girona is now the leaders, two points ahead of Real Madrid, Atletico and Barcelona a little further back, tied for third. I don't think Girona's going to end up there. But these are signs, man. You know, parity is here in Major League Soccer, and and the NFL is the king of parity. And they get criticized for it. But that's happening everywhere. We don't have super teams. We don't have a super team in the NBA. We don't have one in uh, the Premier League, so to speak, even though these teams are amazing. We have so many good teams but, you know, this is kind of the direction we're heading. And I think it's going to filter into the Champions League. So, uh, I don't know. There's going to be some, there, there will be some surprise teams. But we had a surprise Champions League in that, was it the 2020 edition? That was a smaller one due to COVID where Bayern beat PSG in the final, was it? And you had Atalanta make a run and Leipzig make the semifinals. So, maybe we'll have something like that. But this is the good part. We'll look forward to the draw on Monday and we'll move forward ahead uh, into the knockouts in 2024. Just added to the list of 2024, there's a lot going on, including the Copa America, including the Nations League for the U.S. men's national team, including a full year for Lionel Messi. We're going to get into all those topics with our special guest, a regular contributor right now, he's always so gracious to join us Doug McIntyre of Fox Sports. This is the soccer OG. The business end is next. Welcome back. We are stepping into the business and with a regular contributor here to the soccer OG, the one and only Doug McIntyre, who I who was with Fox Sports, who I saw in uh, Columbus for MLS Cup final, which was a real event. Hey, Doug, uh, just to, we're going to talk about a few things because 20, we're going to put a bow on 23, and 2024 is going to be amazing. And you, you are all aware of that, but we will spell it out. But just for that MLS Cup, and I was talking to some of the folks at LAFC, and obviously we had that great one in Los Angeles. But I think this was better because of the because of the participation of LAFC and their supporters. And when I looked at that stadium, you see the sea of yellow, and then a quarter of it or a you know a fifth of it is black. It felt like an FA Cup final. I go, that's the things we always wanted to have in MLS. And we had it. How did you, how did you
1: view it? The same way, man. I mean, so I I wasn't lucky enough to be um, in LA for the final in 2022. The timing was weird.
0: I think the final was November fifth. That's right. Accelerated because of the uh, of accelerated the World Cup. because
1: of the World Cup. Um, so I had to be in New York for the uh, U.S. team's roster unveil a couple of days later, and then off to Qatar for five weeks and three days. Um, you know, less, less than <laughs> don't forget weekend. those three days. Who's counting? Uh, but yeah, so like, you know, g- given the schedule ahead of ahead of us, it just it didn't make sense to to go out for, for that MLS Cup. Unfortunately, I mean, the, the greatest final we've ever seen in, in this league. Uh, it was, you know, privileged to cover it from afar, uh, but I wasn't in the building. But I was thinking that during Saturday's match in Columbus, fantastic stadium, lower.com field. I've been there for the World Cup qualifier between the U.S. and Costa Rica in 2021. Um, the Sergio Dest left footed, you know, top top corner goal game. Um, and I, you know, during the first half, I was thinking, so they opened the windows in the press box. We were up in the press box max. And, you know, that's when you really got a sense of the atmosphere in that building. So like Seattle in 2019, you know, there's 60,000 people in, in Lumen field. Um, there was a pretty decent contingent of, of Toronto fans. So it was a sea of red, red beam. The, and then up in the very corner and then up in the nosebleeds, you had that, that little corner of, uh, of red for the Toronto fans. But. You know, because that's an NFL stadium and you're kind of, you know, you're in a bubble, you're behind windows and you didn't get a, I didn't get a real sense of the atmosphere, even though it was spectacular. But when those windows opened in Columbus on Saturday, Max, like Oof. the noise was deafening. And so during whatever game I cover, I usually have the broad, I'm listening to the broadcast in one ear, just because I want to know what's being said to the viewers back home. Um, and I, you know, so I had, I had the Fox broadcast on, of course, I couldn't hear John Strong or Stu Holden in my ear in the game. I mean, that's how loud it was in that building. And you're right. It felt like a, you know, it felt like a, a, you know, the sort of game that we grew up watching in Europe and, and hoping against hope that one day we could see an atmosphere like that in the U S and, and LAFC, man, they, their fans turned out. It was, you know, I think was it was at the South goal. One of the goals they were buying the upper level. Right. Um And, and the supporters were going back and forth with the songs and, the cheers and um yeah it had everything it was it was the best I remember thinking during that early part of that first half like this is the best atmosphere I have ever seen for an MLS game and I've seen some really good ones I mean the the Toronto Montreal series uh you know conference semi-final series in 2016 was just incredible but th- this I think might even atop that um it was you know what an advertisement for the league and You know, certainly coming out of, uh, you know, a few rough years with COVID. I mean, Columbus won 2020 in in their old building, uh, which they had outgrown and there was no fans there. Right. So to see, you know, to see a spectacle like that um, in a a market, in a city that really embraces MLS. I mean, the crew are important in that city. Um, Oh, man. Yeah. There was just buds the whole weekend. So. It was tremendous, man. It was, uh, yeah. Like I said, the best, be- best atmosphere I've ever seen for an MLS game. I think
0: it's, and I, I, I think some people would be. Like, oh, wait a minute, you forget about last year. But it was that was the LFC fans. This was two fan bases making it this incredible event. It was framed by the rain too, which I thought was great. And the fact is, Columbus and it doesn't get lost because it gets lost in Los it's in Los Angeles. But every part of Columbus downtown, you felt it. I was with the LAFC supporters on the march to the match. Columbus fans were coming off their balconies in some of the apartment complex giving middle fingers, yelling. I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. And everyone's like, you know, there was trash talking, there was this tense moment where the two two big groups of supporter groups were walking and they just kind of stopped and looked at each other like, oh man. This is this is unprecedented uh, where uh, we traveling supporters was an absolute, you know, myth <laughs> or a science fiction. In MLS, you wouldn't see that. And now it's so commonplace. And I think it's going to keep growing because people fans will go, that's fun. I want to be part of it. Uh, And they'll look at this game and the, the last ones. I, the union were w- somewhat well represented, but it wasn't a big contingent that came to L.A. for a long reason. It's a big trip. But uh this was um fans culture cultivated to a, a great degree. Excellent game. And you know MLS I think is going to be very happy. It, it was a, it was a great final. Obviously, you got teams with pedigree, you got teams with uh, a history that have won recent cups, and two teams that were playing just fantastic soccer. Both earned their spots at the final. So across the board, it was good, and uh, it, it it puts a bow on MLS. And and yeah, I know you you're like me when we we see MLS, everyone's first to criticize, and people are still criticizing the i mean i was listening to the 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 state of the union the state of the league and people were still criticizing the opening round of the playoffs like so all right let's go okay come on yeah. but it, it, that's kind of the the state of mls and it is a, it's a league that has its flaws and i was reading this paul Tenori article about what they want to do and everyone wants the spending to pick up and it doesn't look like that's going to happen uh slow and steady which has served mls well but all in all 2023 if you peel back the layers you don't have to peel back the layers this was a Uh, A remarkable year where, you know, MLS, sometimes by necessity, had to find and discovered new ways to serve their fans, for lack of a better expression. With Apple TV, not everyone has Apple TV, but I think that could be changing if you're an MLS fan and you would get that service for that. But most people really uh, liked uh, the service Obviously, the League's Cup, people had their doubts. But once it came around and you'd see the Mexican supporters in the U.S. being served, I I would say that was a success. And then Lionel Messi. So those are three big foundations from 2023. uh, that would have to make this one of the biggest years for MLS. Um, And it's all setting it up for this big stretch, right? 24, 25, 26. And no one's dodging that as... An extremely important part. Don Garber said it. Everyone who talks about it, the people at CBS who are making a big push, men and blazers, all of them are making a big push at 2026. But how did you see 2023 as a means to continue the build for soccer here in this country and in North America?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I almost think it started last year, Max, you know, when you had that great final going into the World Cup that was starting, you know, two weeks later, um, and you had – you know, Gareth Bale, who we knew was going to play against the U.S. in the opening game of the World Cup for Wales, um, you know, scoring that goal. And then you go right into it. And then, yeah, so, you know, for me, Max, every single season in MLS that they've had, at least in the last 10, 15 years, is the best season in league history. Right, like, and that's That's
0: got to be a good sign because it yeah, keeps going up. You, yeah. We haven't seen that sharp turn down.
1: No, no. I mean, there, you know, there's a few, if you go back far enough, obviously the contraction from 12 teams sure. back to 10 in the, in, you know, 2001 um, that's obviously ancient history now, but yeah. Yeah. So like every year is the best year for, for MLS. There's, there's usually a new team or two, there's a new stadium or two, um, you know, that happened this year. We saw St. Louis come in a team that, you know, a city that has deserved an MLS team for decades and was never able to get one. Not only did they get one, I was out at their stadium in, in April for a women's national team game ahead of the, the women's world cup, incredible stadium, downtown, just beautiful. Um, and their team, you know, wins the Western conference as an expansion team. Uh, so like, I mean, you look at that and that's, you know, that's amazing. And it's funny on your little, your little spiel, your rundown of like highlights of 2023 You had Oh yeah. And Met, you know, Lionel Messi showed up.
0: Right? I, it's buried, like, I buried that. <laughs> you buried that. Right. So like, he yeah. gets enough. He gets enough coverage without my help. He doesn't need it.
1: He does. But I mean, I need to, you know, I, I pinch myself all the time walking oh. into these buildings as someone who's been there from the beginning, like you were max, like, you know, I, I started off covering the, the, you know, professionally covering the Metro stars. Now the red bulls back in, uh, in the, the, the two thousands, I won't even say the year, but at the time they're playing, uh, you know, in a, in a NFL stadium on, on turf with the football lines and everything. And, you know, I remember the first time I walked into Red Bull Arena like it was surreal I couldn't believe it and and to have that experience over and over and over and over again in all these different cities you know Columbus with its second soccer specific stadium uh now I mean it's just it's <laughs> yeah. crazy yeah. isn't it <laughs> Yeah it is and, you know, say what you want about MLS and there's still haters out there but you know if this league's good enough for Lionel Messi right like it's pretty good like you're in the same, you're literally in the same league as Lionel yeah. Messi in MLS and um, and yeah, like his impact can't be discounted. But you know, there's the the fact that there's so many different like data points to you know to to point to and say like this this league again like this is the best 2023 is the best season in MLS history. I'm sure 2024 will be as well. And yeah, you're right. Like this whole like the Copa America is going to be fantastic. I think you know people aren't aren't quite you know thinking about it that much. But when it happens, one of those things like the mainstream American sports fan, your casual fan, right? Like they, they don't have Copa America on their radar maybe, but you know, once that tournament kicks off and it's Argentina and it's Brazil and it's, and it's messy and U S and Mexico, and you're selling out NFL stadiums and there's going to be these great games and highlights and moments um, because it it is like a a mini world cup. And, you know, and that, and that's the dress rehearsal really for uh, you know, for, for the main event, we got the club world cup coming, Uh, to these shores in 2025 and then you know of course the world cup the biggest world cup ever uh, in 2026 so it's such an exciting time to to be a fan of the sport to be involved in the sport Um, and yeah it's just you know as good as 2023 is and you're not going to top bringing in Lionel Messi you know I don't see any reason why 2024 can't be as big if not bigger than this year was for for the domestic uh, game
0: We'll we'll talk about 2024 but let's wrap up 23 here uh, very quickly and with regards to I want to mention that Columbus Stadium because it is like it's a European style stadium and Cincinnati and it's it's when you're you're rattling off all these stadiums it was so hard to get one built and they're just popping up like weeds <laughs> and it's like everyone it's like not only are they saying you have to have a stadium but they're beating the league to the punch you go we're gonna get it we're gonna have something and we want to top what these guys are doing that's all happening and say St- we certainly saw that with St. Louis Columbus didn't I mean they did not uh try and save money on some of that stadium it is beautiful the, uh, from all the amenities and you name it and certainly FC Cincinnati's one as well which would have been a great spot for a final as well but uh, I have some good thoughts about 2024 I just want to uh one thing about MLS and this offseason and I, I want to say this about Messi which I I, I think history is going to be very kind to him and you know, he got his criticism for coming here and there's this uh, world soccer talk kind of got into the crosshairs. And they said that he was mentioned that was in it and he misquoted it with an inferior league. He goes, you know, it's we know it's there's always this this conversation. Oh, we know it's not the Premier League. And by the way, most of these European leagues have all fallen off the back wheel of the Premier League. So MLS being able to compete with the top leagues, I don't think it's that far fetched with the exception of what's happening in England. Uh, but there was this, thing, this moment where all these stars, this year, all these stars had an opportunity to make a big decision. They went all went to Saudi Arabia, with the exception of Lionel Messi. And there was a cartoon I saw where Messi's going this way and he's into a line by himself. And you see Neymar and Mane and Ronaldo and all that. And I, I think he has no regrets about that because some of the stories we've heard about. I mean, Ronaldo's put on a really great face about playing there. He's been a great player. I mean, Saudi Arabian League has to be thrilled about the way he has been an ambassador and the way he's scoring. He's scoring an obscene amount of goals there, which I don't think is the best reflection of the Saudi League. But to get back to MLS, we know it's probably going to be better because of what they did in 23. They're not going to get a marquee signing like Lionel Messi. But I get the feeling that all these clubs from the top, like LFC, the Sounders, those top clubs, uh, I mean, Toronto FC, even though they weren't a top club, but a big spender, the Galaxy, they're gonna tr- have a big offseason. And even I saw Colorado Rapids mentioning they're gonna bring in Zach Steffen, and that's a club that resides at the bottom. It would appear that the the urgency to be competitive and to get a stadium for some of these clubs like New York City FC and New England is there. How, when you think of this offseason, is it, it it's not gonna bring Messi, but, uh, how do you see it? How do you see it taking place and improving the league?
1: I agree, man. I think there'll be an arms race. Um, You know, the the big signings don't always work out. You mentioned Toronto FC, and you know they bring in two guys that were two of the highest paid, if not the highest. But they, paid.
0: they tried. They went they for tried.
1: it. They tried. Didn't work, but they they tried. Right, Insignian and, and uh, You know, great players, great resumes. That hasn't really worked out uh so far. But yeah, certainly. I mean, what. What happens in your backyard, Max, I think will be really interesting with, you know, LAFC. Obviously, Giorgio Chiellini's announced his retirement. He's not coming back. I think we all think that, you know, Carlos Vela's, you know, likely or certainly possibly played his last game for the club. He's out of contract. Uh, he'll be 35 at the beginning of next season. You know, so, you know, DP spots opening up. LAFC has a few DP spots. Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, the Galaxy have a few uh, DP spots open. And, yeah, I mean, I I have to think that they're going to try to fill those with the best players they can possibly get. And for me, it starts in L.A., man, because that's where, like, you know, the Galaxy have to do something, right? They they tried. And they've they've been sort of, you know, reactive in terms of this rivalry. LAFC bursts on the scene in 2018, and what does the Galaxy do, right? They go out and sign Zlatan, right, and who, for my money, is – you know, the best player that's ever played in this league, or at least was until Messi showed up, but the way he came in and, and just dominated, and you couldn't write a better script than that first, you know, his first appearance score in that goal in that game. Um, so there, there, there has been an arms race, but it's very clear that the galaxy had fallen by and look, they, you know, they, they made some moves that didn't work out. Chicharito, you know, I think when it happened, we all heralded that science signing and, you know, the pandemic happens, he gets injured, Um, you know, Douglas Costa didn't really work out. So, you know, they're going to reload. I think that, I think they are going to spend money and, and, you know, LFC is certainly if Carlos Villa moves on, I mean, that's the best player in their history, the face of that club um, for its entire existence so far, even since before it kicked a ball in the league. So if they do move on from Carlos, they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to replace him with some, you know, some, somebody that's you know, on that level. And, and yeah, and they're not, and that's only two teams. There'll be other ones as well that are, that are trying we to- We 29 it. teams
0: and they're all gonna, I think yeah, they're all gonna 20, be aggressive in some way.
1: 20, 30, yeah. And everyone's gonna want to, you know, everyone wants to make a splash and has to make a splash because, you know, other teams are doing it. So, you know, I still think there's a little bit of frustration for folks like us that would love to see the purse strings loosened a bit more. uh You know, would love to see, you know, a, a fourth DP, a fifth DP, let teams spend their money however they want as opposed to just on a few players like, you know, have a payroll or a salary cap of whatever, you know, X millions of dollars and let teams spend that money how they see fit. Um, Doesn't sound like that's going to happen, unfortunately, but you know, we're, we're getting closer, we're getting better. And I, you know, things can change. And, and I think in the next number of years, You know, maybe not to the degree that we all want, but the spending has to go up. And we've already seen that. I mean, when Lionel Messi becomes available, yeah, of course, MLS is going to figure out a way to be able to accommodate, you know, his salary and bring him in and and obviously some of the other players that Miami signed. So, you know, it's a great thing when people are talking about your league and um, and to do that, you know, to make a buzz, to, to break through the clutter, especially in a place like L.A., Max, like you said, you know. You got to spend. So hopefully that happens.
0: It's from what we hear, it's they they, they say that once they feel the timing is right, um, the purse strings will be open. Maybe not to a, an open market completely, but I don't think anyone's going to be that open in any league moving forward. And parity is happening in all these leagues. So we're seeing that. I, I, you look at the leaders, you know, Leverkusen or Myr- Byron's not in first to Germany. Uh, Girona's leading in Spain. All these leagues, even the Premier League, is it's Aston Villa's second. It's It's—it's—it's it's tight race. So, I mean, it's obviously different tiers of money being spent. But it sounds like they're going to do that when the timing's right. And I have faith that they know that. And if the spending happens before that moment, who knows uh, if it has a, 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 uh, a negative effect on some of the clubs, if not a good portion of the clubs. But we'll see. We'll be patient. It's been good so far. As long as the league keeps moving in the direction we want.
1: Totally. And listen, parody is, I mean, parody is great. Like I, you know, you talk about some of the tight races now, like let's talk again at the end of the season max and see where those teams are. You know, I still get the sense that when it's all said and done, it'll be the big spending teams uh, that, at, you know, at the end of the season are on top. Sure. And it's an MLS, you know, a team like Columbus can, can win MLS cup and can, you know, th- th- that you have a team like St. Louis that can win the Western conference. You know, you have, Philadelphia, who they've sort of hung their hat on that model of, you know, not being big spenders, but just developing players in the right way. And, um, and, you know, building a culture there um, to, you know, very nearly win the MLS Cup last year against LAFC on the road. So, you know, that for me is the exciting thing about MLS that every year, you know, truly most, most clubs fans can, you know, hope that their team wins a title and, You know, that's just not the case everywhere else in the world. Most places around the world, that's not the case and isn't going to be the case, you know, anytime soon, if ever. So.
0: The other big story that you follow on a regular basis, uh, the national teams, men and women's, the men will be front and center here. You're 24 the women's you we've talked about in the past. We had a World Cup year in 2023, 2024 for the U.S. You have. uh, The Nations League coming up in March which is also like getting better every year. We were, we had our guard up about this competition. Where is it going? It's been good. And, and we talked off air and we'll talk a little bit. Now, this is going to be the best one yet when they all converge all eight teams, because there's teams that want to qualify for the uh, Copa America. That'll be in June. We also have the Olympics men and women, which will be uh, a big, I, I don't get as crazy about the Olympics, but I'm glad we're in there and I will definitely tune in. So, You have those three competitions, the 2025, uh, there'll be a gold cup. There will be the club world cup. And then 2026, the big one, 2024. Let me, well, let me, 2023 was okay for the U S nothing too spectacular. I think the nation's league was the high point where they beat, they thumped Mexico and Canada. We never really got there. we got some new players coming in, but it was pretty flat. It was mostly friendlies, uh, and Greg Berhalter probably getting a fair amount of criticism for his return. But it really comes down to what happens in 2024. Uh, and the good news is everything's going to be at home, which I think will help him. I'm I'm optimistic about the U.S. having a good Copa America and probably win this Nations League. They should be the favorites in the field where Mexico squeaked in. Canada didn't get in there. Uh, Panama's been this revelation. Uh, starting with the Nations League, though, because this is going to help – it helps qualify for the Copa America, too, which we'll talk in a second. But the Nations League has been good. The one in Las Vegas you uh, you attended, uh, I would imagine, felt bigger than the, the times before when it was in Denver. Um, so this one here, it, and it's going to be at AT&T Stadium, which is, you know, rumored to be the host of the World Cup final. This is uh, moving in the right direction.
1: I think so. I mean, it's, you've seen resistance even in Europe, right? Where the Nations League started, like, people like, what's this? And now that's like a meaningful competition. Great final in Europe between Spain and Croatia last June. Um, Same day as the uh, U.S.-Canada final, I believe. Um, So you've seen an acceptance. And and that first Nations League in 2021 in Denver, right? Like, that U.S.-Mexico final was an instant classic. And I think that gave a lot of people... You know the idea that all right, this this competition matters. Like if we can get meaningful games between the U.S. and Mexico with a trophy on the line, clearly it meant everything to players on both sides. I mean that was a grudge match, um, and that was also the case in in Las Vegas last June. Um, you know that the U.S. Uh, U.S. Mexico semifinal. I mean that was a big time atmosphere, big time game. You know, sold out NFL stadium, atmosphere off the charts. You know, the best performance that I, you know, first of all, the, the best performance for the U.S. against Mexico in more than 20, 20 years um, just by, by scoreline. And, you know, and then you get all the chaos, uh, you know, the red cards and the fans and the, you know, it was a, it was a spectacle. It was it was incredible. Um, and, and also it was also funny that that result and that entire match was sort of overshadowed by the news that broke just before that Berhalter was coming back as coach. So it was just a surreal sort of day. And then you're right like the the game against Canada too the final like a really good performance from the US but very strange year for the national team overall just the way it started with Greg you know being under investigation we find out what happened with with the Rainas and and um you know and then the way it ended too like it, it's bookended by these really dramatic um incidents i mean the, the last time we saw the US in 2023 they're losing 2 to 1 in Trinidad
0: with that, the, the Sergio Des meltdown
1: but Gino Des loses his mind and, and takes the silliest red card in, you know, national team history. Right. Probably. So um, very, very weird year. And, and I agree that that was the high point, the nation's league. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited for March. I think that, uh, you know, the U S will play Jamaica in the semifinals. Jamaica's a good team, man. They they have a lot of guys from the premier league that have just come in in the last, you know, year to 18 months or so. Um, and are now beginning to gel. They, Went up to Canada and won a game that they were expected to lose to, to, you know, to get into this position. So um, so I don't think that that's a walk in the park for the U.S. And then, you know, I I think we all hope that Mexico beats Panama. If you're you're Panamanian, you know, but we all want to see that U.S.-Mexico final and U.S.-Mexico games are special, whether it's a friendly or whether it's in a World Cup. But with a trophy on the line, again, at Jerry World, it's going to be packed. Um, you know, I can't wait to see that. And that's great prep for Copa America. Um, and yeah, good, you know, a good group for the U.S., a manageable group. Um, but the final group game against Uruguay, I mean, that's the one we all want to see. And that's, you know, that's like a knockout game in some respects, because even though, you know, I think we think it'll be for the top of the group, right? Like, you know, that's a real team and they're, they're good and it's going to be a tough test. And if you lose that match, you know, potentially playing Brazil in the, in the quarterfinals, um, Ooh, you, but
0: we, but we want that. Don't we?
1: I think so. I mean, quarterfinal I quarterfinal USA, Brazil. This is what,
0: that's what we want. That's what we want. That's what we
1: signed I'd up for. We'd see it in the semis, Max. Uh, <laughs> that would be better. And that would obviously take it be, when you can get it. Take it when you can get it. But I think it's important for the U.S. to win, win knockout games. I think that that's what, you know, that's the next step for this team. And it's not just me saying that. I think, you know, I think Greg has said that. I think the players have said that. Um, so no, you you get into a knockout game. They won one in 2016 against Ecuador um, to get to a semifinal, where they got thumped by Argentina. But um, you know the the the, the Copa is going to be fantastic, and um, you know I really think that you know the first two games the US is expected wins Bolivia, it's it's Panama, um, but starting with that Uruguay game, that's the real deal, and we'll see what this team is made of in that match, and if they progress to the second round, certainly uh, in the knockout stage. So really excited for that
0: by the, the nation's league i was pulling for mexico in against honduras which was a controversial with a nine minutes 11 minutes stoppage time but i was thinking a nice jerry's world drop by the way uh if mexico didn't make it that nation's league would really suffer because there's no way they're going to fill that with honduras jamaica panama and the united states so good good i know and by the way, the Nations League is great, but we also have the issues that it it's maybe preventing us from getting us, the US, better games against European South American teams because the Europeans are locked into their Nations League. And but that's the way it is. And there's not much we can do about it. But the Copa America will afford some opportunities where they can get those games. And we all hope that this is a regular occurrence because it really is perfect. Because the Copa America with 10 teams is, is really a hard hard to grasp and you know with like all these teams making the quarters 16 teams in the americas make sense you have strong teams from CONCACAF participating usa and mexico obviously but as you mentioned jamaica this is going to be a world cup for them and they have players that play at a very high level panama's improving canada if they qualify have a really good shot of making the quarterfinals in that group uh behind argentina and i think they will so you get the chance of at least two, maybe three or more teams making the quarterfinals out of CONCACAF, and I think that will get the attention of CONMEBOL. But it's, uh, I guess, a big-picture item because there's so many things we could talk about. I mean, the players, some are really excelling. It's been, it's been a good end of the year for players in, in Europe with Christian Pulisic, who scored in the Champions League, the guys at PSV Eindhoven, um, uh, the Juventus players. It, 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 it's, it's ending much better than it started with all those guys. But, you know, some people want to see this team has to perform and get the most out of 2024 to set the table. Uh, There's not going to be too much pressure on Greg Berhalter. But if this Copa America, if they don't make the knockouts and if they don't win the Nations League, you have to think for the first time, you know, he's had his criticism in the court of public opinion. But U.S. soccer would, I, I, I imagine, are going to demand some kind of results here to see if he is. I mean, if he can make it to 2026, which I think he's going to, unless the bottom falls out, but this is going to be a situation where uh, it's because of the rarity of the competition that you're playing, this is where you're going to get that World Cup feel as we touched on it. And by the way, they have games in L.A. and Vegas, which is going to be cool. It's going to be such a fun tournament. It's going to zip by. It's three weeks old, three weeks long. But, I mean, there will be pressure on U.S. soccer and Berhalter, to make sure that everything is in place for what everyone hopes will be a 2026 where U.S. soccer makes that breakthrough.
1: I think so. I mean, I, you know, I've seen folks saying that, you know, Greg's on the hot seat or, you know, he's going to have to, you know,
0: reach. the yeah, He's zone. not he's not going to lose. his. That's not going to happen, but it could, I imagine, be a precursor.
1: I think I think it would take I think Greg look, so I mean, he's only been back in the job less than a year. a lot less than a year, even when the Nations League rolls around and was rehired in June. Um, you know, Matt Crocker, the US soccer sporting director, you know, talked up how you know they went through this extensive process and you know, interviewed, you know, the, the finalists and it was a whole thing they had to fly them out to some secret location and put them through all these psychological tests and all this stuff. And uh so I don't get the sense that that Crocker's going to have a quick trigger with with no. Um to your point I mean I think it would have to be something and I've said this other places like it would have to be something catastrophic for for Greg to lose his job right like you you know you lose to Jamaica and then you go out in the group stage or uh, of Copa America or you know you're you know the the way you go out the way you play right if you lose in you lose to Brazil in the, in, in the quarterfinal and it's on penalties or it's one, one nil, right? Like, okay, you can live with that. But if it's, you know, a seven one or whatever it was when, you know, Mexico lost in, in Copa America, Centenario to Chile, like if it's something like that, then yes, then I think, you know, us soccer has a responsibility to make sure that they're asking the hard questions saying, Hey, we have one chance to get this right. In 2026, you know, we got to make sure that we have uh, you know, we have the best, the best coach possible leading the team. But I think that Crocker in his heart of hearts believes that he does. Um, but results do matter, Max. And uh, you know, there, there's everything to prove for Greg this summer and, and starting in March. Um, but I don't think his, his job is, is contingent on, on, you know, reaching a certain stage of Copa America or anything like that. Um, I think he's safe. I think the plan is for him to to be there through the rest of the cycle and again, it would have it would take, you know, some really terrible, you know, performances, probably multiple performances, um,
0: you know, for them to reconsider that position. The I thought he he, he was he was good. It wasn't as good as the previous years where he was winning trophies. The Trinidad and Tobago one is the one that I think opened him up for criticism. And he has to shoulder that with Serginho dess because to me, once that red card happened, the team dropped. And yeah. you could see they were affected. And that's on the players, but you know Greg has to make some adjustments. But if they hang on, if they win, and Sergino does on the field, and they win that one 0 okay, you say they win on the road. There's no way you can openly criticize. Many people will, but you can't really criticize because he did not But he didn't, and yeah. he still made the. He still got to where he needed to get, where other teams didn't, including Canada and almost Mexico. So I mean, there's there is a, that silver lining. I, I by the way, I've I have a feeling it's going to be very good. I think they win the Nations League. And it's also playing at home. And that's a huge advantage. But the thing is, everything's going to be at home for the U.S. So you can test yourself on the road. It'll help you, I'm sure. But at the end of the day, from Copa America to the World Cup, everything is going to be in the United States. So you might as well acclimate it as much as possible and then worry about that for 2030. I think the U.S. I have Uruguay winning the Copa. So I think the U.S. win those first two games, lose to Uruguay, or maybe it's whatever happens. They finish second in the group. And then I have USA beating Brazil in the quarterfinals. I just have, I have a feeling that's the one thing they get to this. They, and then they, they once they're in the semifinals, they have a shot. And I think they play Uruguay again. And I said, okay, I'll, I'm not. I'm gonna, I'm going to uh, split my uh, my my allegiance here and maybe have the Uruguayans. But I, I think it's all there. I mean, because it it would probably be Brazil or Colombia. So their quarterfinal matchup is going to be tricky. But if if it's about working about 2026. If you can get a game against Uruguay, Brazil, or Colombia, and then Brazil and Colombia again, and then maybe Lionel Messi and Argentina waiting. I mean, that's. I mean, that I'm, this is crazy. Am I, is this crazy talk, Doug? I look. I, I see the way you're looking at me right now.
1: Uh, you know what?
0: <laughs> I, I I don't. It's what, what I'm
1: thinking is right. Like so, every. I feel like every year the the. The level between the top teams and the teams, which there's still there's still a gap between the, the truly elite teams. There's only a few of them. We know the ones. Only you know seven teams that have won the World Cup or whatever it is, right? Uh, and then the next group, but the gap is closing, and you will see teams like you will see Uruguay go to Argentina and win a World Cup qualifier, right? Like if, if team's not on its day, Brazil is like in sixth place in, in yeah. South America World Cup qualifying at the moment, like and if, they don't have a full time coach. Exactly right. So like if the U.S. plays Brazil and Brazil's at a really low point and the U.S. is, you know, is playing at their best, then sure they can spring an upset on a day. On they've never beaten Brazil in their history, and it's not a great matchup for the U.S. for a bunch of reasons. But, you know, at some point, uh, if you play off it enough, like an upset will happen. And, and sure, like, and and I think that, you know, th- there does need to be that signature when, you know, a lot of folks have, you know, sort of pointed to, to, to Greg and, and, and said that, you know, that that's where a lot of the criticism and there's, you know, there's folks that aren't going to like the coach no matter who it is. But, you know, when you say, you know, Greg hasn't really had a signature win, well, there is some validity to that. I think that's, you know, I think that's true. I mean, what is it? Is it, uh you know, beating Iran in the World Cup? Maybe, right? I mean, a, a game you have to much-
0: what Jesse Mars said that on the CBS, which I thought was a little bit of an undercut and, you know.
1: Maybe.
0: Yeah. Uh, but I think that's what people want to hear. And yeah. I think there's validity to it. But I think you could look at tying England as a signature result. I, I agree. Iran, I mean, they beat this Uruguay team in a friendly. I don't know if you want to, but the, the chance for a signature result when you look at it outside of CONCACAF, we're talking about three, four games.
1: Yeah, there's not many. And I, by the way, one that no one talks about is the 3 nothing against Morocco a few months before the World Cup. Morocco team that ended up yeah. going to this. Uh-huh. That's a pretty good game. So Yeah,
0: well, yeah, you know how it is. I was like, well, this, that, and that. Yeah, right. right. Ziyech had uh, influenza, and I don't whatever. But it's... I, I I agree with you, but it you would love to see it. But this is the chance, I think. This is obviously the chance in a competitive game uh, for them to to accomplish that. I feel and look the gap. I mean, FIFA rankings we can't look at that, but FIFA loves this U.S. team and the, their body of work. So they give credit to some of these CONCACAF teams they beat, and I think those those two wins at the Nations League, the way they did it. Granted, it was under BJ Callahan. I mean, those are kind of signature-y. If you'd want to say, I mean, just thumping them, just running them out of the stadium, both of them.
1: Yeah, they were fantastic. And it is interesting that, you know, those two wins happened with or not, you know, if That doesn't up. help.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's always uh, a, there's yeah. always a loophole. Yes, sir. Uh, but it's, uh, I think when you look at um, the ability to do it and I will say this about I really believe Copa America, and I don't know if they're going to have a regular tournament because CONCACAF has so much to lose. They have their own competition. But this is going to be such a better tournament than a regular Copa America. And I think what we are going to see is the gap. We know Argentina and Brazil are great. Uruguay and Colombia, but they both have their flaws. They both stub their toe and they can't reach the level. And after that, the South American teams 5 through 10, I think the U.S. are better than all of them some by a lot and that's where i think you know if you look at the pecking order you put brazil argentina and then it's uruguay colombia mexico usa in that next group and then everyone else
1: yeah i think that's fair i think you i think i am with you on uruguay i think they're a top team um you know i i, I do think that they're a team that they can they can potentially win the copa next summer so i i might even put them a well,
0: you know why i like them and because a lot of teams don't do this but they finally they moved on from their old coach. It was, a, they, they moved on from Suarez and Godin and Cavani. And now they're going to let the, the younger guys express themselves. And they're good. You know, yeah. you, you look at a Falver and so many others that can, Akike Oliveira, who plays for LFC, who's getting a great opportunity. But these guys, uh, uh, Stuani, I mean, they're everywhere. They produce so many good players. And I think that they, they get their chance to express. And I think the Copa America is going to be the place.
1: Yep. Agreed. Agreed.
0: Well, we covered some good ground here. I mean, there's so much going on. You're going to be really busy, and, and Doug's going to be covering the U.S. team at Copa America. You'll be there with Nations League as well, and I guess we'll all watch the the Olympics from afar. But this is that'll be a f- – when the U.S. was at its darkest day days in 2017, you try to equate things. And look, as much as I diminished the Olympic tournament when they didn't qualify for the World Cup, you looked right beforehand and they weren't qualifying for the Olympics. So I truly believe that is a sign of good health that we're there again.
1: Yes, I agree. A long time coming, Max. Two thousand eight. It's hard to believe it was that that long ago. And that's an interesting tournament. I mean, we've seen Mexico, you know, win win a gold medal at that tournament. I think that, you know, it's probably more realistic for the US to win a gold medal, Olympic gold medal right now than it is a World Cup. So Depending on who they get, they're not going to have their, you know, even their age eligible under 23 players like Eunice Musa and Gio Reyna. Like they're not going to play at the Olympics. Um, but there's a bunch of other like up and comers that, you know, potentially could Kevin Paredes, Paxton Aronson, guys like that, if their clubs release them. Um, so you never know. I mean, it could be one of those things where don't, no one's paying a ton of attention. And then, you know, you wake up one day, U.S. is in a semifinal and, you know, playing for a medal uh, potentially and, and, you know, everyone gets on board i mean we know how important the olympics are in uh in in the u.s and how people tend to jump on the bandwagon whatever sport it is so
0: and how important it is overseas like you know specifically in places like argentina and brazil where these players stop what they're doing they say my career is not complete unless i have this olympic opportunity we see it time and time again
1: so it's a nice little bonus to have i think uh after you know cope america max Something, something for us to watch when we have the post uh, Copa blues that, you know, you always have after, you know, any major tournament. <laughs> oh, what, do I, what do I do? What do I watch? What do I do? <laughs> hey,
0: don't worry about it. Well, 2024, it, it I know a lot of people are saying it could be even bigger than a world cup year. It's hard to argue that. And you'll be at Fox where they have the euros, the Copa America. I mean, that is just for them kind of going back to back like that. It's going to be just tremendous. Two, like, mini World Cups. I mean, the, this is going to be the biggest Copa America because of the this just the stature of it being here. All due respect to the great tournaments they have in South America, it's just bigger. And then the Euros. I would say that last Euro final between England and Italy felt like a World Cup final. So yeah, yeah. I have and a feeling have, it will with get Brazil, something similar.
1: Brazil-Argentina the night before back. So, like, in, in the Copa final. So right. I think both finals are on the same day. It's July 14th. Um, and yeah, like to your point, like you're gonna, you're gonna be able to wake up, you know, uh, at, you know, six in the morning where you are and, and, and turn on, you know, the Fox family and networks, watch some Euros, And then, you know, all afternoon you'll be watching into the evening watching Copa. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, if you're not on the road and it's certainly on my days off, it's, uh, you know, staying in front of the, front of the TV, watching the best soccer in the world all day. So I, yeah. I can't wait, man. It's going to be a great summer.
0: Get your rest now, get your extra winks. Cause you're going to need it. Doug doesn't need any sleep. Doug McIntyre, Fox Sports, joining us here on the Soccer OG. Always a pleasure to to share our knowledge, to get after it, and you make me a better broadcaster with your knowledge as well. So thank you very much, Doug.
1: Thanks for having me, Max. And it was, you know, I've been kind enough to have me on a few times, but it was great seeing you in person for the first time in a few years, man. So it was good to catch up in person, and thanks for having me back.
0: I forgot that because we're here all, so regularly, so it feels like it, but really the in person so much better. Get out and see people in person. We're back in, we're back in the groove. The Soccer OG, Doug McIntyre, in and out of the business end. We will be back with Check Complete. We're going to talk about the best American club story right now. It may not be who you think it is. That's next. Time now for Check Complete, as we touched on with Doug, it's been a good end of 2023 for Americans abroad. Remember a couple years ago, we had these great moments in the Champions League, Christian Pulisic winning it, two Americans on teams in the final when Zach Steffen was a goalkeeper for Manchester City. I think two years ago, we had like eight or nine in the knockout stages. And we don't have that this time around, but we have a story that started with you know somewhat humble beginnings, but is turning into... A huge American success story when we're looking to gravitate, and by the way, do you remember Leeds United? Of course we do the euphoria that that was caused when we had three Americans and the coach Jesse Marshall on that that feels a long time ago, doesn't it? So you know, we go crazy here, and you know NBC would put those Leeds games in prime position because folks would tune in the American market although it's still burgeoning it's still embryonic is there and we like many other soccer cultures support our own so that is a great news certainly uh at the time but then now we we wait we don't know if there's going to be a good enough story like there has been in the past so Uh, We're down to three Americans in the, I believe it's three. Forgive me, I might be missing one. But you have Gio Reyna at Dortmund. He may not be there. We'll see if he leaves the club, but they won their group. And he, uh, you know, he's he's playing sparingly. That's one of the big stories to keep an eye on because Gio Reyna is critical for the United States men's national team uh, heading into Copa America and certainly into 2026. As we look at this lineup, he's almost like one of four or five guys that you put in ink in the starting 11. So other than that, um, you know, we lost Union Berlin and Brennan Aronson. Um, the two Milan guys didn't make it beyond their Antwerp had, uh Who's the American? Uh, Sam. Why am I drawing a blank? But he didn't, even, he didn't even make the paperwork. So we're down to three. Gio Reyna, we're down to four. And three of them play for one team. And all year, we have circled AC Milan and this incredible run that Christian Pulisic had. He scored a goal over the Champions League round match day six. And he really is the singular sensation um, at the top of the list. But what's happening at PSV or PSV... Has continued to grow. You know, we had our concerns because Sergio Des was playing regularly, and then Malik Tillman started to integrate into the lineup. And now Ricardo Pepe, who I, I, after the tough year he had in 2022, not making the World Cup roster, and the the tedious process he had at Augsburg, getting on his feet in Groningen, and then uh, waiting for his time at PSV because. Peter Bosch, the coach, wouldn't play him. And we were wondering, is this not going to work out? I certainly felt that way. Maybe not everyone did. Uh, But it was okay to be discouraged. And he still sits in important games. They had a big rivalry game a couple weeks ago against Feyenoord. Did not play. And this was after he scored a Champions League goal, a massive Champions League goal. He plays behind Luke Dejong. But now the 2024 year is shaping up um, very positively for a player who is playing with uh, a Champions League club, has the faith in his coach he has to the way he's going and the way the way he has responded in small windows of playing time for him. So PSV has rocketed ahead of AC Milan as the best American soccer store. I don't think it's any contest, not just because of the sheer volume of players, uh, because they're going to the Champions League, they're a second place team. They will they they'll have to face a heavy hitter. There's no doubt about it. But maybe they get lucky. There's some teams that won their group. Real Sociedad, Dortmund, that I think PSV can beat. And these three Americans are going to play a pivotal role. Serginho Dest locked down fullback position. Malik Tillman was excellent in that final game against Arsenal, which PSV tied in match day six. And Ricardo Pepe uh, scored in the midweek in the league game against Herenveen. Uh, is starting to pick up important goals for this team. And again, we didn't think it was going to do this well. But it goes beyond that because PSV are perfect in the Dutch league. In a year where Ajax, pardon me, that was a, that was a bad one, has sunk. Uh, they're, they're digging themselves out of their hole now. They're in fifth place, but they had a cataclysmus cataclysmic start to the season. PSV have played 15 games, they have won 15. They have scored 52 goals, they have allowed 6. They are 10 points clear of Feyenoord who are a good Champions League team in the Dutch Eredivisie. They are going to win this Dutch league and win it uh probably in April, I think. Things could change because they're going to be kept busy. I mean they they're 10 points clear and they're perfect in Holland. Oh, sorry, the Netherlands, and they have been gone perfect. So it doesn't end there for PSV because Ernie Stewart, who was the direct sporting director of the US men's national team, and we were wondering, was he leaving the US national team set up because there was something rotten there? I remember, he was dealing with the Raina Burholter situation. And he said maybe he just wants to get out of there. But no, he left for a huge job. The job being PSV Eindhoven and he is in charge of that there's no doubt that he played a role in bringing these American players remember Sergino Des was in limbo because he was playing for the top clubs Barcelona or Bayern but he couldn't get a regular spot well that's different with PSV and now after leaving the U.S. Soccer Federation he is a new technical director, and he is off to a fantastic start. They are going to, in all likelihood, win the Dutch League, which uh, is something they haven't done in a minute, and then making some uh, some headway in the Champions League. I mean, I, I this is what we're looking forward to. As Americans, I mean, it's hard to watch the Dutch League. Not all the games are televised. PSV games generally are, usually early in the morning. So... This is where, in addition to seeing Christian Pulisic, these AC Milan games are hard to watch. There's no doubt about it. We shall be able to enjoy this. And hopefully these players go to bigger clubs. I mean, that's the plan, right? Uh, PSV hasn't won the Dutch League since 2018. It was Feyenoord last year, and then IX won it three of the last four years. They abandoned their season in 2020 due to COVID. So you have all of that. But folks... Where it looked bleak, we have something very exciting to do. So get on board. Support our guys uh, along the way. Two of them are European-born, and that's okay. You know, Malik's brother, Timothy, plays in the United States with LAFC, so they are very proud of their American ties. Serginho Dest is a fixture with the national team, so this is good news. And we forgot about that red card because he's played so well. Serginho Dest has been fantastic. Tillman's been pretty good, and Ricardo Pepe has handled this beautifully. He was patient, and now, you know, because there was like the first eight games he didn't play at all. That's not a good sign. That means the coach is not sure about him. Uh, if you have a backup forward, you get you get him more playing time than what Ricardo Pepe was getting. But he didn't get upset. He had every reason to get upset. He's, he's had reasons to be upset repeatedly over the last couple of years. You name them. That Groningen, I mean, the Augsburg situation being left out of the World Cup, Ricardo Pepe's the real deal. He's a good dude. We're happy to have him. And maybe, I don't think we're there yet, but maybe there could be a conversation that who will be the starting number nine. I think you give Fulhar and Baligan every opportunity under the sun unless he really, really takes a turn for the worst. And he hasn't been great, but he hasn't taken a turn. But Fulhar and Baligan is our number nine. But Ricardo Pepe has given us tremendous cover. And they're very different players, right? So we have depth there. We don't have depth in a lot of places. So, PSV, a great story. Ricardo Pepe's a great story. And I saw that the U.S. men's national team had their voting for the uh, player of the year. And by the way, Anthony Robinson should have been on that list, but he wasn't. Pepe was on there. Polisic was on there. And I think most people are going to vote for Christian Polisic because of what he did with Milan. But this is a U.S. men's national team award. It's what you did for the national team. Ricardo Pepe scored pretty regularly for the U.S. in 2023. The award should go to him. And now, what he's doing with the club, maybe the award goes for him, period. It's not there. He's not done what Polisic has done. But Christian, uh, Ricardo Pepe, ending with a bang. Great news for him, for the city of El Paso, and for the U.S. men's national team. The Soccer OG. Rate, review, download, subscribe, tell a friend. Check out the Soccer OG on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. We have new videos going up there all the time. We have a really nice one I think you'll enjoy about looking back at the MLS season. We have one about the Copa America draw. It's all there for your listening and viewing pleasure. You get to see me too on that one. And I do my hair all nice and I put on nice shirts. So we'll see you very soon. Thanks for checking us out as always. Until we see you next time, Placido Domingo.